Hey, everybody, this is Chuck Everson from Villanova University, and welcome to the Big East Rewind. The Big East Rewind came about when Sonny Sparrow and I from Syracuse University were on a recruiting trip and became friends, and we've been friends ever since. And we had a bond that has developed over playing in the very tough Big East Conference. The Big East Rewind is all about Big East basketball, old school style with the battles and stories that came about during our time playing in the Big East. From the perspective of the media, coaches, former players, and even officials. So we hope you enjoy the Big East Rewind. On this edition of the Big East Rewind, Sonny and I talked to John Paquette, the Sports Media Relations Director for the Big East for 40 years. John has been involved with all things Big East. You get to see behind the curtain and see what how the Big East is run from the inside. He'll talk about his favorite memories at Madison Square Garden, and we'll talk about how it is to work with Val Ackerman, the commissioner of the Big East. You're not going to want to miss this one. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the Big East Rewind. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Big East Rewind. I'm your host, Chuck Everson from Villanova University, and my point guard, my partner in crime, my main man, Dr. Sonny Spira from Syracuse University. How are you, Sonny? I'm great, Chuck. I appreciate that pronunciation. I see you've been working on it. I like that. Len Berman still lives in my head, Sonny. You know, I'm sure he does. He lives in a <laughs> lot of people's there. head, but he went at you right away, man. He he did, didn't he? I mean, and listen, I listen, I, I grew up watching him every single night, live at five, and I had no problem taking uh Diction lessons from diction the great lessons, Len Berman exactly right, yeah. on how to pronounce Syracuse. He'd be very proud of me if he was watching right now. He so would. that's good. And our guest today, we've been uh, we've been trying to hunt him down for a long time. We yeah, he's been elusive. You know, listen, elusive. Funny, you know, he doesn't he doesn't play the game, but he sure has a lot to do with it. And you know, he has moves like a guard, Sonny, like you say. Uh, well, you know, hard you to know, track. What can down. I say? Hard to track down. All right, guards. So, what can I tell you? <laughs> Without any further ado, we have with us today a college sports communications Hall of Famer, Sonny. Hall, Hall of Famer. Famer. Another Hall of Famer. Another yeah. Hall of Famer. All right. The senior associate commissioner and sport of in, in charge of sports media relations for the Big East. And he's a Big East historian on top of all of that, Sonny. So we're going to hear about the history of the Big East today. Perfect. I can't wait to talk to this guy. John Paquette, how are you, John? How are you doing? I'm doing great. Great to be with you guys. And um, yeah, great to well, have. I, you. I have to. I have to be a guard because of I, I can't. <laughs> I'm, I'm just not tall enough to be anything else. So. <laughs> yeah, I. You know, I don't get that. Hey, so wear much. it with pride. Wear not, it with pride. Sonny's a six-five point guard, John. He doesn't even get that very much. I, you know. I remember that. I remember he's a six-five point guard, John. John, he keeps bringing these big guys on here, and he's trying to prove a point because the game has changed so much and these guys are almost irrelevant that, you know, he just, he just continues and, you know, I feel sorry for him a little bit, but you know, actually those are the only guys I see eye to eye with Sonny. If you want to know the truth. I thought, no I more. thought it's all about positionless players now. That's right. That's, That's right. right. That's right. So, so let's jump in here, John, you know, I, we appreciate you coming on. First of all, thank you for that. So, you know, you, you went to Marquette, a future Big East school, but you didn't know it at the time, right? So tell us about your time at Marquette and uh, and how you got into um, the sports information business. Well, um, I grew up outside of Philly, uh, near Norristown, went to Bishop Kenrick High School. Uh, Gino Oriema was a couple years ahead of me at Kenrick. Um, didn't know I, he was on the basketball team. I wasn't a friend of mine or anything. But anyway, so I wanted to go away to school wanted to uh, take journalism and my mom liked the Jesuits. So I went on a visit out there, liked it. Uh, my parents quote, let me go. And um, had a great experience out there. I was on the student radio station. I did a lot of the student media stuff and uh, worked, had to work obviously with this guy called a sports information director. Um, and, you know, I didn't even know the job existed when I got to college, but, um, I thought it was kind of cool. You get to do a lot of different things. You get to be part of a team. Um, and when I was at Marquette, and well, it's still the case now, the basketball is very good. So I enjoyed that. And, uh, you know, we were fortunate 
in my junior year, you know, we won the national title. So I was going to ask you, Al McGuire crossover. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and uh, well, I could tell Al McGuire stories for an hour. They're unbelievable. Um, We're going to get one. We got to get one. <laughs> All right. Al like to compare sports. And um, so he's, he did, he said this, I think at the final four press conference in 77, he said, I don't understand golf. He goes, you get a 40 year old guy standing over a two foot putt and everybody has to be quiet. But you put an 18 year old on the free throw line with 10,000 people screaming at him and you expect him to make it. Yeah. So. Well said. Yeah, that's true. I like it. That's, true. that's why you won a national championship. <laughs> yeah. That was the team. They had Butch Lee on that team. Butch right? Lee. Was- yeah, Butch was my year. Uh, Butch Lee, Bo Ellis. Uh, Jimmy Bo Ellis. Jordan, yep. Jerome Whitehead, Bernard Toon. Um, real good team. Although the team, honestly, the year before was better. But that was Indiana's undefeated year. And uh, mm-hmm. so that didn't happen. But anyway. Were you, so were you working in the sports information office there too? No, I was uh, working for the college radio station. And uh, so that was, which was, you know, great fun. Um, uh, so anyway, so I got out of Marquette and um, spent a year as a GA down in Louisiana of what is called now Louisiana Monroe. Um, then came back up, tried to get a job, almost got a job at Villanova, Chuck, as an assistant SID. Um, was heartbroken when I didn't get it. And then a couple couple weeks later, there was a job open at Wagner College. Yeah. And so I went up for an interview, and this guy who interviewed me, in uh, he was running his basketball camp that day, that time. His name was PJ Carlesimo. And uh, he was the AD, and so I'm, I'm there for the interview, and he's there in shorts and a T-shirt. So I'm thinking, well, it's a job interview. I want the job. So, but, but anyway, so I'm lucky enough to get the job, worked there two years. Then PJ left for Seton Hall. And so I thought, well, it's probably time for me to leave Wagner. And, and so I, I went to St. Peter's for a couple of years, Metro Atlantic Conference, uh, Conference for a couple of years, and then got to go to Seton Hall kind of to rejoin him a little bit. I was there from 86 to 90. And honestly, I was there for great times. Oh, my uh, gosh. You were there for the resurgence. Yeah. Um, the rebuild, the resurgence, everything. The rebuild, everything, the Final yeah. Four in 89. And that was just tremendous experience. And obviously, Seton Hall's in the Big East. So I got to know the Big East people. In 90, um, the job at the Big East came open. And I was able to get it. Mike Trangisi, who had just become commissioner to taking over for Dave Gavitt, who had left for the Celtics. And uh, so I've been there since, and uh, and I've loved it. It's been a labor of love. So that's got to about- be, that's be, sorry, Sonny, that's got to be uh, one of the longest tenures of anybody that's worked at the Big East, John, wouldn't you say? I mean, um, for day-to-day people, yes. For, for day-to-day people, people go to the office, kind of the, quote, normal workers. Um, Art Highland, who was the original supervisor of officials, um, he, he came in when the league started and he just retired a year or so ago, uh, wow. at least, um, uh, and John Cal has taken over for supervisor of officials, um, five or six years ago. So, um, but yeah, um, and it's, it's, it's cool. I've, I've just enjoyed every day, every year. I, I, we got, we got to get into the Seton Hall part because, you come in, you said you, you spent a little time at St. Peter's in the Mac, right? Yeah. Yep. Then you come over to the Big East. That's a huge step. PJ's there. You have some relationship. Let, let's start there. Talk a little bit about PJ. So PJ is, uh, obviously, I, I owe a lot to the guy because he gave me my first job, and then I get to work with him again. Um, Larry Keating, the AD at Seton Hall, was the guy who hired me, but, um, you know, I'm figuring PJ – hopefully put in a good word for me, but you know, it worked out. So, but yeah, it is a big change, um, you know, big East. Um, and even though when, when I was getting there, I thought that things were getting better and they were improving and it looked like a program on the move. I didn't think we're going to the championship game in 89, but you know, yeah. I, you know, I, I thought things were getting better. Um, 
PJ is a tremendous guy, uh, treats the president of the university the same way as he treats people who clean Walsh Gym, um, has nicknames for everybody. Uh, probably if you don't have a nickname, he probably didn't like you as much because he had nicknames for everybody. And, um, uh, and he treated me really well. Now, was he serious about his job? Yes. Uh, was he, was he an intense coach? Yes. But he can also be a social guy. I mean, you know, you can talk to him, you can talk to him about anything. Um, smart guy. I think, uh, I think at Fordham, he was, I think his minor was like in the classics or something. Uh, and, um, but I, I really liked working with him and he was, you know, personally very popular and amongst coaches um, didn't really have any enemies. Um, and I think almost all coaches have an enemy or two, Sonny or Chuck, or, you know, uh, seems like they do anyway. So, uh, but PJ is a tremendous guy and I owe him a lot. Yeah. Now PJ was a hell of an athlete too. Cause he played multiple sports at Fordham. We talked to him about that. So now I got to ask you, cause he, he referenced a number of, uh, of uh, nicknames. He called uh, Gary Williams wacko. So what was his affectionate nickname for you? Oh, I was uh, Vermeil for Dick Vermeil because growing up in Philly, I'm an Eagles fan. So at Wagner, somebody put a big picture of Dick Vermeil on my desk. So he just called me Vermeil, or he would call me Dick, or then once in a while he would call me Richard to throw everybody off. But uh, it was usually Vermeil. He still calls me that today. Vermeil. I was going to ask you, I bet you still does. Yeah. 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 Okay. He's that so. Kind of guy. Did, did he introduce you to some of the finer Italian restaurants in the East Orange area? Uh, yeah, we, we had a few favorites. He had a couple favorites. And, you know, of course, the, be the best thing, there's, there's a lot of good things about going out with him. But first of all, if you go out with him, you're going out to dinner at 11 o'clock at night. I mean, that, that's, that's just the way it is. But he always pays. So. Oh, I was going to um, ask you about that because he's not known to pay on the golf course. Just well, right. Uh, maybe he felt sorry for his coworkers. I don't know, but, um, but he, he would pick up the tab and, uh, and we, we, you know, you go out with him regularly, you close a lot of Italian restaurants, but, um, they they were, they were great times, great times. Been there, done now, what, that for sure with the restaurants. That's for sure. Now, now talk about the scene at East Orange, cause it's a very small school. They, you know, they, we talked to Mark Bryant, we've talked to a couple of guys, Danny Calandrillo, some of the guys that were at the beginning about this little undersized little Catholic school that was struggling, you know, playing in the ECAC and Dalian Calendra says, all of a sudden we're going to play Syracuse, St. John's and Villanova. And like, why are we doing this? And, and, you know, et cetera. So talk about, you're now at a, a school that's starting to become a legitimate team in the big East. Talk about just what changes that you noticed and that you had to be a part of, because you're at the SID. So you had to be part of that. Sure. And, and, you know, in the, in the first part, in the first few years of the Big East, St. Paul was at the bottom. Right. Um, and really, UConn was toward the bottom. Yep. Uh, Providence, Providence yep. was mm -hmm. just not doing that well either. But what, what PJ and, and other schools were able to do, um, because of the television exposure for the Big East, PJ was able to sell good players you come to us, help us rebuild all our games, you know, virtually all of our games are on TV um, and you'll get the exposure and we're going to play the best teams. We're going to play Syracuse. We're going to play Georgetown to your point, Sonny. And, uh, and it started to work. Now, honestly, it almost didn't work. And, you know, PJ was under fire for a while there. And, um, you know, in the 87, 88 season, at the end of January, I think we're, I'm allowed to say we with, Saint, with Seton Hall, right? That's yes, okay. sir. Uh, I think we're, we're in last place, two and six or thereabouts. And uh, clearly the heat is on, but they turned it around in February, got back to 800, uh, 500 in the league. PJ gets voted coach of the year. Seton Hall goes to the first NCAA tournament in history, in their history. Now, Back in the 50s, the NIT was probably as important or 
to the schools in the, in the Northeast may be more important. But, um, and so kind of had turned the corner with Mark Bryant as yeah. kind of our top dog, um, yeah. local kid, kid from a, like two miles away or 10 minutes away mm -hmm. from school. And Mark, uh, you know, you guys talk with him, but Mark was a real homebody. You know, he was a local kid who didn't want to go anywhere and, and, but he's a really good player. And uh, so kind of sold kids on the television exposure and, you know, Providence did the same thing and UConn did the same thing. It took a while though. I mean, PJ got there in 82, 83. I believe that was his first year. And this is 87, 88. So right. I, yeah, today, Providence gets, to, Providence gets to the final, final four in 87 and you guys are in the championship game in 89. So that's yeah. a, that's a turnaround. That's a, that's a change of the of the guard. And and Rick Pitino at Providence, although he turned it around so quickly in '87, he gets to the Final Four. So Clean Hall fans are getting, well, whoa, what's this guy like? Why can't we do that? And so you know, like that was good for the Big East and 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 quite a feat um, at the same time. Um, but Seton Hall fans were like, okay, let's go, let's go. What about us? Right. What about us? And it you did happen, and then. 88, 89, we started, I think, 13 and 0. St won the Great Alaska Shootout and then kind of kept going. Um, and then when I got to see, when I was doing the job interview for Seton Hall, Larry Keating, the AD, says, Well, I said, Well, what are your goals? And he says, Well, I want to set out the metal lanes. <laughs> I'm like, You know, you're nodding your head because you're on a job interview. Yeah, yeah, good idea. But, you know, Seton Hall's drawing like 7,000 fans. But in that season, there was 12 or 13 and 0 playing Georgetown in the Meadowlands, sold out. And that was two top 10 teams playing. And then, Sonny, I can tell you this the next day or the day after, after we beat Georgetown, uh, we have to play Syracuse uh, up in the dome on Saturday. So, Friday, we get, we're, we're on a plane, we land at the Syracuse airport. So, we're at baggage claim. And the PA at the airport says, welcome to the Seton Hall basketball team here to play the Orange and congratulations on beating Georgetown. So this is this is on the PA in the airport. Yeah, it, just, it just shows you the love we have for Georgetown. I mean, it's <laughs> to this day, it's the same. And then we lost by 40, I think, at Syracuse. Though. <laughs> yeah, tough place to play up there, right? That's that's a tough one. So. Coach said, uh, Coach Carlissimo said, when we when he brought Mark in, that turned everything uh, on its ear. Um, you know, the, and it was, I think some of it was the natural uh, attrition of the of the the mix of teams that we had in the Big East. Because the first nine, eight or nine years, we had like seven teams go to the Final Four, and we had two national championship teams, and we had four teams play in the national championship. Mm -hmm. so, so Chuck, Chuck, in the in the first ten years of the league, um, Georgetown wins in '84. You win in '85, the Villanova, right. beating Georgetown by two. The right. other three losses were all by one point, mm -hmm. all by one point. So that's right. We could have won. We could have won five titles. Yeah. So it was Georgetown losing to the Mike in the Michael Jordan game. Michael yeah. Jordan shot one point. Yeah. Don't uh, don't Syracuse, mention eighty-seven. Just don't just leave, just say Syracuse eighty-seven. Don't Syracuse don't, eighty-seven. Okay, well, and then don't describe don't describe the shot. I don't really. I'm not going to describe the shot. I wasn't going to. Um, <laughs> and then eighty-nine, uh, Seton Hall plays Michigan and uh, yep. lose by one point in overtime. You had wow. that game. That's pretty cool. So something yeah. happened with three seconds to go. But whatever. Talk yeah. about the role. We won't talk about that either. Talk about the role, John, of, of an SID at a major school like a Seton Hall in the Big East. You know, you, you're part protector of the coach. You're part, you know, keeping people that, you know, giving people their time that they want in the media, making sure everybody comes in. But talk about what your what your role is when it comes to the relationships with not only the coach, but the players that you're working with. Talk about how that works. Sure. Um my job, I think, is to make things as smooth as possible on dealing with media, dealing with the television broadcast, dealing with the print and radio media, uh, setting up interviews. You know, PJ doesn't mind, didn't mind doing interviews, 
but he doesn't want to hang around for 10 minutes and then sit down, you know, sit down and do the interview. So we try to set it up. This is an example of that. So we try to set it up. The TV crew gets set. And I said, when you guys are ready to go and, and you're really ready to go, I'll go get him. He'll sit down. He does his eight minutes or 10 minutes and then he leaves. And that's fine. And everybody gets what they want. Um, for players, um, you know, they're obviously going to class too. And, and, you know, let's be real, especially more so, maybe more so back then, I don't know. But players aren't anxious to do interviews for the most part, you know, because it's unfamiliar territory for them. Sure. So, so you, I don't want to say you coach them up, but you talk to them about things that they're going to get asked and you try to tell them to look at it as an opportunity to kind of sell themselves or talk about themselves in a positive way. Um, so you have to, you have to try to kind of balance all of that. It, now, when you get to big events and, you know, when we ended up going to the final four in 89, it, it's a lot. I mean, you know, it's a lot. I mean, it's fun. I mean, it's work and it's fun and it's, um, uh, and it's memorable. Um, but there's a lot of managing and, you know, and, and you guys will know this, you know, in 89, I didn't have a cell phone, you know, we didn't yeah. have cell phones, you know, we had, uh, we had regular phones, we had, you know, communication was a little different back then, but, um, but that's, you know, that's part of it. I thought my job is to try to make it as smooth as, because PJ was a very social guy, but I knew there were times when he has to coach his team. So, you know, you have your social time and then, you know, sometimes you have to play bad cop to PJ's good cop. And that's just part of the deal. You know, mm -hmm. that, that's, that's, that's just part of the deal. And I get that. And, you know, you, you accept that. And that's how, you know, in effect, that's how PJ can be a better coach and the team hopefully can be better because of it. What, what was the environment like? So again, just, you know, picturing, you know, Seton Hall, it's campus, it's it's kind of, let's say, small position on the map. All in 89, all eyes are on East Orange. What happens to the climate of your job and, and what you're dealing with now? You got to have, now you're not getting contacted by just two newspapers. You're in front of microphones. You know, what, what changes do you now have to experience in this environment? Just, uh, I think it's mostly volume of demand and, and, when Seton Hall started getting good, it was a good story because we had an affable, friendly coach, social coach, who who will talk, and um, and we were we were the new guys, we were the new kids, you know, and and we had gone through Syracuse and Villanova and Georgetown. They were the powers, and now this little school in New Jersey, who I we didn't see this till later, but on I think it was the Saturday of the Final Four when we we're out in Seattle. CBS did a piece on even New Jersey people don't know where Seton Hall is. <laughs> and, and so, you know, we, we, yeah, yeah. And uh, so, you know, they would ask people like, how do I get to Seton Hall? And no one would know the answer, you know, so, um, but it, it's, um, it's, it's different. And, you know, and when we went away, you know, we started going on the NSA, uh, first round, we were in the West Regional, which for some reason, Big East teams do great in the West Regional through the years, uh, you know. Um, so, but we didn't come back. So we ended up not coming back. One week, the school was out, and the other week, it just didn't make sense to the Final Four. And, um, and people told us, hey, you know, there are a lot of people getting excited on campus. So when we got back, we're taking, and of course, you know, there's no charter flights coming back. You know, we're, we're flying commercial after we lose to Michigan in the championship game. So we get back to campus about five o'clock in the afternoon. And, and I remember talking to uh, my secretary, Jeannie Fritzen, and she said, you know, there are a lot of people here waiting for the team. And I'm like, yeah, okay, like how many? And she said, thousands. And so like, I thought it was gonna be a couple of hundred because to your point, Sonny, we're a little campus. We don't have a big enrollment, mm -hmm. you know? And, and, and so there were, I don't know, 10,000 people waiting for us at Seton Hall. And you guys have been on campus. You guys have been to Walsh Gym. I you mean, can't fit 10,000 in Walsh Gym. No, yeah. you can't. No, you can't. Um, 
but uh, but that was, you know, yeah, that's that showed you the growth. And um, uh, and so we lost the game, but still in in South Orange, there was there was a parade for us. I mean, you know, down, of course, it's it's you know, it's the main street near Seton Hall campus. It's not the Tournament of Roses parade. You know, so, you know, it, it, it's, um, you know, it was a nice thing. I remember it kind of kind of cold and rainy and everything, but it was a parade. We had a parade and, you know, and we didn't win. We didn't win. Yeah. Imagine if it was the other way around, right? Imagine if you would have won how many people would have showed up out there. People, you know, people, people treated us like winners. Um, and, you know, everybody says, oh, you know, the bad call or whatever. And so, um, um, but you know, if they wanted to treat us like that. So, and, and, and Chuck, you remember um, uh, Craig, Craig Miller from Villanova, sure. who was my counterpart. And so the morning of the championship game, when we were getting ready to play Michigan, I called Craig and I said, so tell me what happens when we win. You know, so like, tell me what it's going to be chaos like. Chaos happens. Tell me, yeah, tell, <laughs> tell me what, and he goes, yeah, that's what he said. You know, it's chaos. But I felt that the way we lost, it it was still chaos, you know, because yeah. people treated us incredibly well. Incredibly. Yeah, that's great. So so now, how do you go from Seton Hall, John, to being Mike Trangisi's first hire with the Big East? Well, I was Mike's first hire, although it's not like he said, "I need to hire somebody. I'm going to go hire John." That was the, the job was open, so that oh, was come on, come on, job. just make that, just make that the story. Just yeah, make yeah. that the story. Nobody's checking. Right. <laughs> Nobody remembers um, that far back. Um, I actually think that the Final Four run helped me for for the Big East job because it exposed me to a lot more, and you know, a lot more national media and. Uh, bigger events and so I, I kind of think that uh, that helped me but um, but and I already knew the people at the Big East office Tom McElroy, Linda Bruno, Chris Plonsky yeah. and um, uh, so um, you know I had the opportunity Seton Hall was all for it PJ and Larry Keating and they were all supporting me so I was able to get it and um, uh, and it was it was terrific. It was new and different. Working for a conference office is different than working for a uh, working for a school. But um, you know, got started and hung in there, and um, and it gets me a good seat at the tournament. And I don't want to give it up, so I'm still here. Yeah, don't blame it. So obviously, you weren't there when Gavitt was there, but his shadow was still it was a big shadow that was cast over Mike. Uh, when he came in and took that seat and there was a lot of people um, both positive and negative talk about how how Mike had to deal with that and and not only that but your role in in helping him through that you know with with the media well um, the media had you know liked Mike Mike uh, you know when Dave was in charge I mean Dave obviously was the guy and and the visionary and started the league Mike was very content to be the behind the scenes guy. And, uh, and, you know, kind of Dave was the vision guy. Mike got the details done. And, um, and so now it was a different situation for him, but um, the best thing about Mike was, is still, he has no ego. Like it, it just didn't bother him. Like, and it, he, yeah, I mean, people said, um, um, I remember uh, Neil Best wrote a story, a profile of him, and the headline said he was kind of like Clark Kent, you know, and, and you know, he's, he's he, mild-mannered, but he got things done, and he could get a lot done, um, so, but M Michael didn't have an ego. He, he didn't mind if people kept talking about Dave and, you know, the greatness of Dave, and he knew, he knew that, but Mike was the first, first full-time employee at the Big East. He's actually yeah. full-time employee before Dave, but he—he he was great to work for. He was great for me. I don't. He said to me uh, when he retired that he and I had never had a crossword between us, and we hadn't. And um, he's the kind of boss where he knows if I come in with it, with a problem, something we have to talk about, then he knows it's serious. But most, for the most part, you know. I don't know if shielded is the right word, but you know, you keep, you keep your boss informed and, um, 
and let and let him know when there's a problem. Yeah, he let you be. He let you do the job the way you felt it needed to be done. That's that's a that's a, a good boss right there. That's a lead. That's a leader. And he, you know? and he started really with that job at the Big East, so he under he understood kind of what you oh, were yeah. feeling. So, so Coach Vermeil, got to ask you another question. What, what, what was it like? What was it like on with some of these other coaches? Um, what was it like around John Thompson? What, what were some of your interactions with the late great John Thompson? Always good. I mean, I'm not going to tell you that we had you know a 10 minute conversation every time we saw each other. I'm not going to tell you that. But he was always fine with me. Um, you know, so one of my jobs. Is still is to be moderator of the press conferences at the Big East tournament, right. and so um, which it, it's the cool part of the job. I, I, I just love doing it. So obviously uh, Georgetown won a lot of games in the Big East tournament, so he would be sitting next to me a lot. And um, uh, when actually when Georgetown would lose, I, there was no one kind of classier and calm and complimentary. Um, but when he won, sometimes he maybe get a little ornery. And so somebody, for a sample question from the press conference, someone would sit, shout out, say something like, um, Coach, Alonzo, 20 points, 16 rebounds, five blocks, good game. And Coach would say, so what's your question? If you have a question, I'll be happy to answer it. So I, right. you know, I, I love that stuff. Um, but he's, he, he was, he was always fine. You, you just explain what the duties were and what the obligations were. He did them, and fine, everything's good. How about no, at his, how about at his retirement, uh, John? I mean, was there there was a story I we heard uh, about when uh, Big John retired with you. They uh, so they may they're gonna have they announced that they're they'll have an announcement on Friday. It was Friday that week, and um, so again, uh, my phone rang more the night before that announcement than ever in with anything I've ever dealt with, and so um, again. You know, I guess this is uh, 2001 or so. Um, I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember the year. But but anyway, so I'm sitting on my kitchen table. I have one of those. You know, we ha we all had you know monitor you know phones with the with the um, uh, the regular push buttons and and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so it was all I did was keep my hand on, and people would keep calling me. You know, what's what's Georgetown announcing tomorrow? What is it? What is it? What is it? What is it? Because Georgetown never had press conferences, you know, they, and, but nobody knew. So people just kept calling me because they figured I knew. I didn't know. I right. didn't know. But I also said, I mean, do you think they're having a press conference to announce that they're going on probation or something? I mean, what, you know, what do you think this is going to be? It's not going to be, you know, something like that. But I didn't know. I, I did not know. But my phone rang more that night, and people kept calling me. People would call me twenty minutes later. You hear anything? You hear anything? You hear anything? But that's that's part of the job, and that yeah. night was memorable. So you knew what you were going to get when you had Coach Thompson. You know, you said how he reacted on a loss and when he reacted on a win. What were some of the who were some of the wild card coaches where you go, oh no, I don't know what's going to happen when this guy walks in. Should I, Sonny, should I start with Coach Beheim or? <laughs> That'd be a good place to start, I'm thinking. He threw a I chair. Gonna, I was going to ask he, you about his, your relationship. He, well, you weren't there yet, John, but you remember when he threw the chair at the uh, press conference. Yes, I do. I, I've seen that. Uh, I'm glad I wasn't there that day. Uh, <laughs> and um, no, so um, Coach Beheim, extremely loyal. I've always, I, personally, I've always gotten along with him. I think very well. Um, loyal to the Big East, what you know was loyal to the Big East. Um, you know my one memorable time with him, which I didn't have anything to do with, fortunately, um, was in 2006 when 
um, Jerry McNamara makes a 30-footer against Cincinnati in the first game of the Big East tournament to win the game for Syracuse. But earlier in the week, um, there was a story of unnamed Big East assistant coaches, supposedly, yeah. who voted Jerry McNamara the, um, the most overrated player in the league. So you can oh, tell yeah, sometimes that. when coach was getting ready, you know, like he was, he was percolating. <laughs> so, you know, uh, I'm <clears throat> paraphrasing a little bit. And um, he said, I don't know who these coaches are. They'll never be head coaches. I, you know, they, they obviously don't know anything about the game of basketball, blah, 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 blah. And he said, let me tell you something. We wouldn't have won 10 effing games with, out Jerry McNamara and um except he didn't say effing right you know he said the real word and uh and he turned to me and because you realize what he said and he turned to me and you know there's I don't know 100 media you know watching there and I think ESPN was doing it live on ESPNU or something like that so he turns to me and he said John can I get fined for that <laughs> I have no idea you know <laughs> so you know I said no I mean, what was I going to say? Yes, I'm going to find you or, or, you know, so. And uh, and so so he said it. Mike Hopkins used it for recruiting the, you know, longtime assistant coach because he said, look how coach sticks up for his player. And uh, so we have a transcription service called ASAP. It's kind of the gold standard for college events. And so there's a transcript of everything coach says. So they showed it to me before. And they said, look, we just want to show you before it goes out, you know, we have it in. Do you want to leave it in or not? And it was F-U-C-K-I-N apostrophe, because that's, that's the way he said it. I said, well, he said it, so we're going to leave it in. And, uh, and it, was, it was fine. Actually, we got compliments for leaving it in to the transcript. But, um, you know, uh, I, I always... I always enjoyed being with him and uh wish wish you know like like maybe a lot of Syracuse fans I wish they were still in the Big East you know yeah, I, 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 I wish me. yeah uh yeah I know and um and a lot of Syracuse fans in New York area when when we're, when we're out and about but anyway but that's you know we understand the situation there um so but he he was he was great he's loyal I mean you know once in a while at the dome you know, we'd be in the press conference and he would see me there. And at, and at the end, you know, when he was complaining a little bit about this or a little bit about that, or maybe he didn't like every call in the game, you know, he would say to me, Hey, John, have, have Art Highland give me a call in the morning. So I of course said, got it coach. So he was always great with me though. So let me ask you, let me ask you about a couple other coaches. All right. So, you were there for you were there for the end of Louis' uh, term, uh, term, right? So talk about Louis for a minute. How was he at, at these things? Great. He he knew how to kind of spin a story. Always ended up talking about Italian dinners. You know, like, like yeah. however it started. <laughs> yeah, and he would say, "Yeah, I'm gonna go have some veal tonight." You know, or. Uh, but he knew how to do that, and um, as as well as anybody. Now he, he was a fighter. He was a competitor. I mean, you know, if anybody thinks otherwise, you know, they're crazy. But he was very competitive. They won a lot of games. Um, but he, but he was, you know, he had he everybody liked him. I mean, he he had he had everybody wrapped. Um, and not in a bad way, in a good way. He was, he was a friendly guy, liked to tell stories, uh, even though most of the stories were kind of the same. But, you know, Sonny, like you were saying, you know, it, it's all kind of the same and it always ends up talking about an Italian dinner. So, Amen. so, so you, were, you were surrounded with a few Italians, though. PJ, Louie, mm -hmm. Mass, yeah. you know, Roly. What yeah. was Roly like? Now, you're a Philly guy, so you have yeah. to have a little bit of an affinity towards Roly. Well, yeah. I mean, growing up, you know, I watched college basketball. I watched Big Five basketball. Big Five, you know, yeah. That, that that's what I did, and you know, Villanova was 
always as or just about always as good as anybody. So yeah, I you know, I, I, I watched. And then, you know, when I was at Seton Hall, we of course face Rolly all the time, you know, obviously. Um, you know, Rolly, I shouldn't be the one to comment. Chuck should be talking about Rolly. Um, <laughs> but, you know, great, won a lot of games. Um, you know, had his way on the sidelines a little bit. Yeah. Um, passionate, sometimes got into emotional states a little bit, I guess. Emotional states, is that a nice way to put it? Yeah, um, you're, you're like, you're going way too politically yeah. correct here. Correct, yeah. It's part of my job, Sonny. <laughs> like, He's a professional politically like, correct guy. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I don't even know how I can spell some of these. Like, you know, come on. Wow. We know what it was. So, it all was right, so let's, let's go in out. a different direction, John. So <laughs> you, you said you were the moderator at, at all the Big East press conferences and stuff. Yeah. What was it? What was it like when everything stopped, the pandemic hit, and we had to cancel the St. John's game at the half and stop yeah. the whole tournament? How yeah, difficult was that for you? That was really tough. You know, I mean, that was the most downer day for me, anyway, in in my career. But uh, you know, and but it was just such a downer day. Because you could sort of see things building, you know, the day before. And then, you know, we were going on what local health officials were telling us about, you know, large gatherings and events and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and that's when um, kind of they told us in the morning everything was okay. And then a couple hours later, they told us it wasn't okay. So we kind of knew we had to stop. And, you know, we stopped at halftime of St. John's versus Creighton. So it's about quarter to one in the afternoon on, that was Thursday. Right. And we had to do um, a press conference and we, well, we did the press conference with Val, Val Ackerman, our commissioner. And she was terrific at, at explaining, you know, we, we didn't give short answers, you know, Val gave, here, here's what happened, here was the timeline, here's what we did, what we did, and, uh, but that was hard, and then, I mean, just a couple of hours later, they canceled the whole NCAA tournament, you know, yeah. that, was, that was, I don't know, for me, that was, that was rough, that was Yeah, rough. when March Madness yeah. goes down, that's, that's, and, a, and big, yeah, that's a big one. And, and when they start, and because when we can't, well, we when we called off our tournament, like I think the ACC and the Big 12 had all had called their tournaments in the la in the previous hour or so. So you kind of, and of course, everybody's talking to me during the game, you know, what's going on. Um, so you kind of knew it was happening, but it was, uh, and of course, you know, this had never happened before. You know, we, yeah. we, we, this had never happened before to this magnitude. People, now, people watching at home. That, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Sonny. I'm sorry. Speaking of things that never happened before, let's move into the UConn Syracuse six overtime game. Yes. Yes. Because we talked to Coach Calhoun about it too. Yes. And, uh, you know, talking about just, just that moment. At what point did you think, oh, this is going to be a memorable game? Like, at what point was it like, oh, this is going to be epic? Well, um, first, let me say, leading into the game, for Biggie's staff who are working the game, the one thing we didn't want was overtime. So in that game, because we played four games on Tuesday, four games on Wednesday, and four games on Thursday. And this was the last game. This was the last game. So we're off on the tired side. So we think Eric Devendorf is the greatest guy in the world after he hits that shot at the buzzer. And he yeah. jumps up, you guys know, he jumps up on the press table and, uh, you know, exalts. He, he goes Eric on him. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, and then two of the, John Cal was the lead ref in the game. And he, and I think it was Bob Donato. They're looking at the replay and it's close. I mean, it's really close. And they decided to disallow the basket. And I think he was, the, the monitor was closer to the Syracuse bench because I think Coach Beheim said, you better be right. He may have added an expletive or two, I, you know, I'm not sure. But, um, and so then, so then you go overtime, say, so think, okay, well, we're gonna go overtime. 
and then you go double overtime. And then, but I think Sonny, for me, once we got to overtime number three, you're like, this is pretty cool. This is pretty cool because these weren't just two teams that happened to play six overtimes. These were two ranked teams. You know, th these were yeah. two really good teams that ended up playing six overtimes. Now, you know, there's all kinds of stories about people missing their trains, people getting their cars locked in the parking lots, um, media who are covering the game. You, you know, the game ended at 122. People were done writing their stories at three, but there's no trains at three. So you kind of had to hang out for like a couple of hours to get the morning trains to get home. Wow. Um, you know, it was, it was great stuff. I think we walked out of the garden at I think 337 uh, that morning. And, um, but that was just, you know, an epic game. Um, and as you know, Syracuse had to tie it every overtime until the last overtime where they, they kind of, they kind of took it over. Um, and coach Calhoun was not happy and it was distraught. And, um, the one thing that I used to love, uh, Jim Calhoun saying was people would ask him why he wants to win the Big East tournament. And he would always say, I want to be the best kid in my neighborhood. And I, I love that answer. I love that answer. And, um, but, you know, it was 127, 117, I think. And Syracuse, you know, they made their own tapes of the game and had shirts made and, you know, did all kinds of stuff, which I think anybody would do. And then 70 Syracuse, minutes of basketball. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then you hear about people who left at the end of regulation and got home and the game's still on. <laughs> right. You know, exactly. so it was it was wild. It was it was the most memorable game I've ever seen. I mean, you know, and then as guys start fouling out, fresh guys come in off the bench, you know, and, you know, um, and they just look so much fresher than everybody else. And, you know, that was Johnny Flynn playing 60 minutes, seven minutes, I think. And yeah. A.J. Price and for UConn and all that. So talk to us now that we talked, we started the memory thing from the Big East. Talk about your favorite memories of the Big East tournament, John. That's the most memorable one. Um, you know, that's not a moment, but it's the most memorable game. Um, yeah. I think, you know, when, you know, the Kemba Walker shot, um, yeah. when they beat yeah. Pitt in, in 2011, Pitt. Yeah. Like, you know how where you hear, you hear people say, oh, I still get a chill over that. Well, every time I see that shot, it still does something to me. You know, it, it's, it's, and, and people forget how good Pitt was. You know, Pitt was like, I think third in the country. They yeah. lost in the quarterfinals and they were still a number one seed in the tournament, you know, on Sunday when the bids got handed. I mean, they were, and this was UConn's third game of what would be five that no one's ever done in college basketball history except UConn when they won five games in five days. Yeah. And they beat three ranked teams. So, but, but even by game three, and if you remember, it was a noon game. They're playing three games in three days and it's, and the third game's at noon. Like it's not at like nine o'clock at night. It's at yeah. noon. And, you know, I, I just watching that, watching that him make the shot live and then you think to yourself, it's a little after two in the afternoon. I'm in New York City. If you open up the doors, you're going to see Midtown Manhattan, you know, regular daily life, you know. And but we're at the Big East Tournament. And I thought to myself, there's no place I'd rather be right now than right here, you know, being part of this. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we've talked about the, the Madison Square Garden, the, the whole aura of the garden it's just magical on saturdays saturdays at the garden when friday and saturday when the teams line up the lights go out we bring a broadway singer in to do the anthem when that doesn't get me juiced up then it's probably time to go because stop, yeah. I, I love that i, I love that it's we, you know. i'm obviously partial but we i think we have the best tournament how about some of the matchups, John? You know, the player matchup they had back in those days, you know, you had Allen Iverson versus Ray Allen. That was a hell of a matchup in, in the Big East tournament. Um, yeah, that was uh, that was the first 
time we played Saturday night championship game because we used to play on Sunday. Sunday, so yeah. Was so Sunday first, it was. Yeah. That was the game that was the first ESPN championship game, and Brad Nestler and Dick Vitale did the game. And uh, yeah, that was crazy. I mean, Ray Allen, I think, shoots one for 10 in the second half, and the one was the crazy one. Right. And then Georgetown has time to come down. Iverson misses the jumper. And then, you know, really the, the putback by Jerome Williams, which people kind of forget about. I mean, he, he was right there. And um, I also think UConn scored the last 12 points of the game in that game, I think. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. How about team matchups? I mean, there were some good ones for there, too. I mean, you know, like you say, even even current day, I mean, you know, you and I, I saw you at the tournament this year. And, uh, you know, there was a buzz this year for the first time in a while, because I guess we're coming off of having no tournament and then having limited, you know, no fans, you know. So it was uh, it was tough, but it, it, people were excited to be there, I thought. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I thought we were back to Friday night and Saturday night being the greatest nights. Yeah. Um, to, and, you know, part of that, and well, that was that's helped by UConn coming back. I mean, you know, UConn fans and, um, you know, they, they missed going to the garden um, to see their team play. And, yeah. you know, and UConn's good. I mean, you know, they've been good. They've been successful. So I think that adds to the aura. And certainly Villanova's run, you know, which is, I mean, they went to the Final Four last year, so it's still, I mean, it's fair to say it's still going. Still going, yeah. Um, you know, so, and we've ended up with some great championship games. I mean, really the last five or six years, Villanova and Seton Hall have played great games. I mean, terrific games. Um, whether it's in the Big East tournament or during the regular season, you know, th that, you know, that matchup comes to mind right away. Um, but, um, you know, we've had Providence um, do well in the tournament the last few years. And, you know, I worked, you know, when I first got to the Big East, we were, we were in Providence. That's where our offices were. And uh, so, you know, we knew all about hopping on the Amtrak down to Madison Square Garden to, yeah. uh, you know, to watch the Big East tournament. Um, uh, you know, so that's been great. Uh, last year we had unpredictable stuff that everybody did. Providence yep. get picked seventh, they win the regular season, and uh, and then two years ago Georgetown, you know, win, wins the tournament uh, as an eighth seed. You know, it's you know those are those are good memories. Um, but we do have some matchups, some good matchups, and this year, this year's, you know, I think it's going to be more the same. I, it may not be exactly like it's been, but. Um, but, you know, we're looking forward to the season now. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's pretty wide open this year. I mean, you could say probably Creighton is maybe picked, uh, you know, a little bit above everybody. But, you know, now you have, you know, equalizing factors. Jay retires out of seemingly out of left field. Nobody really knew what was going on there until it happened. Kyle Neptune comes in. And now I look at I look at all the different changes that were made. And, and, you know, it's a very uh, diverse league now when it comes to head coaches and stuff, you know, um, I, I think it's, I think it's all good for the league. And I, we, you know, we had Val on, uh, on the show and, and she's terrific. I, I don't think she gets nearly enough credit for what she does. I mean, amazing, amazing woman, amazing lady. Yeah, for sure. We, we were really impressed with her story. So talk, talk about what it was like, what it's like working with Val. It's great. We, you know, when, when the new league formed, it was the presidents uh, of the league basically deciding we want to go back to the future where we, we want to get out of the football stuff and we want to control our own destiny more. And so we hired, we, I didn't, I didn't do it. The presidents did. They hire Val Ackerman, a basketball person. And Val has been, as you guys know, on every level. Uh, you know, yep. she was the founding president of the WNBA. Yep. Uh, mm -hmm. She was president of USA Basketball for a long, long time. Um, she was a basketball player and uh, one of the first scholarship players at, at UVA. Um, mm -hmm. She's done a terrific job of guiding, guiding the group because, I mean, when the first year of the new league, 13-14, when uh, Creighton placed Providence in the final, we have 14,000 in the building. It was Doug McDermott year and uh, and you know 14,000 was a nice crowd 
but it wasn't what we were used to, you know? So we needed to keep going and, and, and Val was the one, Val is the one to, to organize it, to uh, get everybody together, working together. Um, and really when Dave Gavitt started the league, even though Syracuse and Georgetown, to use them as example, you know, maybe going like this all the time on the court, they're together off the court. And, and we know that everybody has to work together. We're not in the football business. You know, we're, we know that, uh, but we've, we want to be an elite basketball conference. And, you know, you have to work together to do that um, because we don't have some of the some of the finances, honestly, that, you know, some of the football teams have, but, you know, we have to be together, work together and, um, and, and, you know, root for each other when we're not playing each other. So. That, that was key to the early big East, right, John? I mean, I know, and Sonny and I have talked about this on the show. I mean, we would root for a team like Georgetown say if they were playing, you know, one of the Carolinas or Virginia or somebody else, we would root for Providence if they were playing Tennessee, you know, stuff like that. And, and, you know, it's not that way in the ACC. And I think that's part of the problem. That's what, you know, when you see a Duke and a North Carolina, yeah, there's rivalries here in the big East, but those guys don't root for each other, no matter who they're playing. I mean, it's, it's bizarre to me. I mean, from where we came from, you know, yeah, and, and yeah, sometimes it's all on what you're used to. But yes, I agree. And we do root for each other. And I know some people on the outside maybe wonder about that or wonder if it's really true or not. But I think it is, especially when you're in the tournament. I mean, you know, um, first of all, the athletic directors want everybody else to win because you get units and units mean money and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, that's the business part of it. But, you know, we, we do root for each other. And that, you know, that comes from our coaches and when we're in meeting rooms with the coaches, uh, you know, which only happen once or twice a year, but um, coaches want to work together. And, you know, our men's basketball coaches right now, um, you know, it was Jay and now, you know, we have Ed Cooley and uh, Greg McDermott at Creighton and yeah. uh, those kind of people. And they, they want their, you know, we want to try to work together. We want to try to work together. And we have some new coaches this year. And um, although all the new coaches have already worked at their present schools, you know, a couple of guys have been head coaches and a couple of guys were, you know, players and assistant coaches. So it's not, it's not, it's not totally, totally new. I, I just saw a quote from Sean Miller uh, who said, um, you know, you don't have, the Big East is the same as it's always been. It's always tough. It's always physical, tough to win on the road. So it's the same way when I was a player. And so, you know, he was, you know, the point guard for Pitt during some of their glory years. And, um, you know, so I think in a lot of ways, the league has not changed to Chuck, to your point. Yeah. Well, you said back to the future. Yep. Yeah. Right. It's right. working. We're, we're getting up against it, John. Give us a couple of more good stories. And then we'll we'll wrap this thing up. We appreciate you coming out. <laughs> no, it, it, uh, I, I've I've enjoyed the conversations. Um, you know, I, I I just think that the relationships that you have with people are you know we're all lucky that we get to see some great games, and we've talked about some of the great games that we've seen. But yeah. but it's the personal relationships with people, and you know, for me, it's the coaches and 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 staff and even people at the garden i mean you know we're you know that's where we go every year we have such equity in the building but you get to know the people and and the relationships and just the little stories and um you know one this is about five years ago i actually tripped and cut my head um you know in in one of the post game areas and so you know i went to the hospital they fixed me up so the next day, um, some of the workers, they give me a hard hat with Madison Square Garden on it so that I could wear it for the rest of the term. <laughs> but it's just little things like that, you know, that, you know, you have relationships, you have friendships, and, you know, you, you want to try to help the other people. That's, that's, that's really the, the coolest thing about it, coolest thing about working there. 
you know, you we, know what? I, I got to agree with you. I'm sorry, Sonny. I got to agree with you. Uh, you know, we figured this out as we're doing this show and, and having guys on that we really didn't have major conversations with when we were playing, except on the court. Right. And it was only, uh, you know, it wasn't too nice at that time. Uh, but we've become friendly with a lot of, a lot of guys from a lot of teams and some are unexpected and some, some, you know, we kind of figured that guy was a good guy or whatever, but you know, you, you get to learn who people are for, um, after, you know, the competition is over and everybody's going at each other's throat, you know, uh, you know, especially in the big East, it was a very tough physical conference and still is to this day. But at the end of the day, um, we're all, we all went through the same thing. The only thing different is the color of the uniform that you wore, you know? And I think that bond having gone through that, no matter what team you played for is very strong and everybody appreciates what you did, whether you were a starter and scored 30 points or you came off the bench and contributed in, in whatever way you could. So I think that's the beautiful thing about the conference uh, is, is the camaraderie to this day. You know, it really is great. It's, it's why I love being part of it. Really. Is. Yeah. For as many years as you've been there, John, it's, it, you know, it's fantastic. Well, we, our guest today has been John Parquette of the Big East Conference. John, thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate you coming out and sharing your stories with us and, and your insights to behind the scenes of what goes on at the Big East. It's a pleasure and a lot of fun. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. You've been listening to the Big East Rewind with Sonny Sparrow and Chuck Everson. The Big East Rewind is produced and directed by Nick Chico Chorus and Daryl Gurney. You can check us out on all things social media by putting in Big East Rewind. Um, we can see us wherever you get your podcasts from, from Spotify to iTunes and, and the like. And also on YouTube, you can put Big East Rewind in the search bar. And all of our 70 some odd videos will come up. And you can we ask you that you like, subscribe, and share it with your friends. Thanks a lot. And have a great night, everybody.